This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. You go through this like range of emotions where you feel almost like rejected. And it is a very emotional thing to go through. Even if you weren't happy at your job, even if like you were thinking of quitting or like you couldn't do this anymore, you don't really see that in the moment. And it's like the day or two afterwards when you start to process like, what do I actually want to do? And that is where I was, and that is when I decided probably I did not want to go back. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Natalia Lawler, and something I really love about this interview is that Natalia has a very simple aesthetic. She doesn't necessarily fit the like glamour style photography that most people think of when they think of the Sue Bryce style, but she has used the Sue Bryce education business model anyway, regardless of not having the frills of her shoots, and within two years of opening her studio, she's grossed over six figures. So Natalia has two kids, and we also talk a little bit about just the importance of doing something you love that isn't just being a mom. She ended up going from a full-time job doing graphic design to getting laid off and kind of being full-time mom there for a while and realizing she really needed to grow her photography business. And she's done so well with it and has just really niched down to shoot what she really wants to shoot. And she's really efficient with doing those types of shoots that she really loves. So this episode is just full of great advice and I hope you enjoy listening to Natalia's story. Okay, let's get started. Hi, Natalia. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, Nikki? I'm doing well. Yeah, just really happy that I have you here today just to talk about your whole photography business and experience and everything that you do. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Okay, so I know that you haven't always been a photographer and that you were in graphic design. Was it before photography? Yeah, so I went to school for graphic design and interactive media, and I also did like computer animation. So I did a lot of everything, and I went into web design and specifically advertising. So I worked on banners. I did flash banners and animation, and I did some like coding, and I did that for almost a decade. 
Oh, wow. So you must be like really tech savvy overall. I guess so. Yeah, I've always yeah. sort of been drawn to like the web and building my own website. So it was very natural for me to go in that direction in terms of work because I felt like, oh, if I could work doing something I love, that would be awesome. But then you're sort of left with the void of, you know, a creative expression. And that is where photography ah, came in okay. for me, where it was something I did as a creative outlet on the side for personal reasons. And then when I started having kids um, and working a lot, photography started becoming a little bit more than just a creative outlet. I really felt like I needed to do it on a consistent basis to be sane, quite honestly. Ah. And that's when I decided to make it a business, really just to have like a legal way to photograph other people's kids. Okay, so were you still working in graphic design at that time, or had you quit at that point? Oh, I sure was. Yeah, no, I was working uh, full-time, and I had a toddler in daycare, and I was the primary parent. Okay, so you're working full-time and, you know, mom with a toddler, and then you're also now starting your photography business. That's a lot. Yes. (laughs) I have no idea how sort of that all worked, but it did. I wasn't shooting a lot. I was doing maybe one shoot a month. And once again, I felt like I needed to do it. So I started, I would start to get angry if I wasn't out there photographing, because once again, it was very much a creative outlet. Yeah. You know, it seems like, especially as a parent, I mean, I think everyone obviously needs their creative outlet other than work, or maybe not even creative outlet, but just to do something that they love that, you know, makes them happy. And you know, once we have kids and everything, it's like that time that we had to do those extra things. It really, you know, it can be a challenge to find that time. So I can understand how you might feel angry if you don't get to do these, this thing that you love. Like it's, it can be hard. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like meditation, I think, because you have to be so focused, mm-hmm. like nothing else exists when you're looking through that viewfinder. And especially if you're photographing children, which is what I started with kids and families, like they challenge you and they're really hard and they're all over the place. So if you're not paying attention, if you're not a hundred percent in the moment, you will just not get the shot. Yeah. Yeah. Photographing kids is definitely hard. I think. Oh, I picked the hardest subject, for sure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All over the place. That's exactly right. When you said that, it's like, yep, like, I would photograph kids and be, like, sweating by the end. And, like, I swear I'm never doing this again. But then I'd be going through the photos, and I'd be like, oh, but look at that one. Oh, look at that expression. And then, of course, I would do it again, but. Yeah, (laughs) I know. When you get, like, the perfect smile or the genuine smile and you get everybody looking good in the photo, there's nothing else like it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so take us through then, because I know you don't do graphic design as a job anymore. So how did you just, you know, make that transition? Or was there something that kind of, you know, sparked you to quit your job? You know, just take us through all of it. So I didn't quit my job. I was laid off. Ah, (laughs) And I was laid off twice from two, two different agencies laid me off. One was because they were just shutting down the office. So I live close to New York City. I did start working in New York City. And then had to get jobs closer to where I lived in Connecticut because I did want to have the family because I had kids I had needed to pick up and having a creative you know advertising agency in Connecticut doesn't always make sense for most large companies so the first one they just shut down the office the second one they basically wanted me to be in New York City and they're just logistically speaking there was no way for me to do that and the the idea of Finding another job at an agency or creative company just seemed really daunting and not Mm -hmm. something I wanted to do. So I was really pushed into it a little bit. And I'm a very 
level-headed, safe person, and I would never take risks, right? So I had to be pushed a little bit. You know, sometimes I feel like when things like that happen, if we can have the attitude that it didn't happen to us, it happened for us, it's like, okay, I've been laid off, you know, how can I use this as an opportunity or like a silver lining as opposed to be like, ah, you know, like freaking out like my life is over. So, okay, and I'm not trying to say that I never act like my life is over because I certainly have had my dramatic moments where I'm like, this is happening to me. But I'm curious how you responded with the layoff. Like, you know, what were you feeling at the time? Well, and it's very interesting. I don't know if you've ever been like fired or laid off from a job, but you go through this like range of emotions where you feel almost like rejected. And it is a very emotional thing to go through. Mm -hmm. Even if you weren't happy at your job, even if like you were thinking of quitting or like you couldn't do this anymore, you don't really see that in the moment. And it's really, it's like the day or two afterwards when you start to process like, what do I actually want to do? Mm -hmm. And that is where I was. And that is when I decided probably I did not want to go back. Yeah. Yeah. Now at this time, did you already have your business? Like, I know you said you were doing some paid shoots, but you know, was it pretty much up and running or were you still at the very startup phase? I would say very startup. I was still trying to figure out like what my look was or what made me different. I didn't really know much about business in general. Nobody teaches you any of that stuff Mm -hmm. in college or anywhere else. You certainly don't learn it in a corporate job. So I was starting, I was just trying to figure things out. I was making money, but obviously not enough to be an income, but it was enough to cover like a part-time daycare. And my oldest at that point was going into kindergarten. And that freed me up a little bit to not have the pressure of having to make a full salary to keep my little one part-time in daycare and to be able to do photography. So it was never going to be like a full-time thing because I just didn't have that time as the primary parent, as a parent of a kid who's starting kindergarten and schools are, you know, nine to three. Mm-hmm. They're not full-time. <laughs> right, right. And it's really hard for working parents to make things work. So it was kind of a blessing where I was able to dedicate time to be able to drop him off, pick him up from school, do all the driving, did all the cooking, cleaning mm-hmm. for the home. So, you know, it gave me that flexibility. And thankfully, my husband is the primary earner. So I did not need to, you know, make up the salary I was making. I just needed to cover the few things that I would need to cover in order to grow the business. Wow. Okay. That's great. That's great to not have that pressure for sure. I mean, it does almost sound like kind of a like a a blessing in the end because, I mean, gosh, all of a sudden you go from this full-time job to being able to spend time with your kids and being able, you know, to have time to focus on growing this this new business that you love. Yeah, and I don't know if it really felt that way (laughs) at the time. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you have kids. Spending time with them is not all rainbows, 100%. (laughs) This is very true. (laughs) This is very true. (laughs) Yeah. So for me, it was great to spend that time, but I always knew I needed something mm-hmm. for myself. I needed mm-hmm. to work. I needed to contribute to society in some way. And that's not to say that everyone feels that way. That's just how I was sort of raised and my perception of what I wanted my life to be. And that is why I felt it was important to do something. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that. I could, I mean, if I had to, of course I would, I would do it, but being a stay at home mom is not 
my superpower whatsoever. I also need to be working and doing something other than like momming all day. So I can relate to that. I'm such a better mom when I am also working. (laughs) Yes, a hundred percent. And it's also really, really hard. It's probably the hardest job there is. I would much rather be out photographing than (laughs) being home doing all the stuff because it's like wears you down so quickly. It does. It really does. It's yeah, it's definitely the hardest job I've ever had for sure. (laughs) I mean, you know, obviously there's lots of great times, but like you said, it's like having that balance there with the the working and doing something we love. It just makes life so much better, so much easier. It does. Yeah. Yeah, you appreciate both sides for sure. Mm-hmm. Totally. So at that time, were you charging sustainable amounts or were you shoot and burn or what what did your business look like at the time? So, you know, I don't actually remember like the exact points where I raised my prices in terms of when it happened. I know I started and I remember this very clearly. I started charging $10 an image and I knew like in-person sales was the way to like earn money, but I didn't quite grasp the whole concept of it, right? So when I first started, there was very little education. This was 2013 and $10 an image. I remember having my first like in-person sale where I printed, like I brought physical prints. So I knew that part like was important and I did all this work and the client bought 10 images and it was like a hundred dollars. And wow. Driving home, I was like, I just spent all this time. It was like an hour drive just to get to their house (laughs) to do this like reveal. Like I got all these samples, like I ordered this like large frame. So I sort of had a grasp on how to do things a little bit, but I didn't know the full story. Mm -hmm. And after that, it was like, you know what? This is just too much work. Like you cannot, you know, do all of this work and make a hundred dollars and you know, leave your kids for that amount of time. It just made no sense. Yeah. And so after that, I went to doing an online gallery for a bit and I was charging, you know, fairly high prices compared to what other people were charging. But once again, I was not having a ton of real clients. I was doing a lot of shoots for free, mm-hmm. building my portfolio and learning. And I hear a lot of people say how, oh, I had my friends, you know, beg me to take photos of their kids, of their family. And I've never had that. I've never had people reach out to me and be like, you have to photograph us. And I don't know why. I just like I had no network because I was in corporate for all those years. I didn't do anything outside of home, really. We just had a very close knit, like little family that we went out and did things. was not networking because I had children. And... I just didn't really know anyone. So I didn't have a huge network to rely on. I had to sort of make my own way in the community. And I had to learn a lot of things about how to do that before I could, you know, even (laughs) start like having real clients and start charging things. I know I discovered Sue's method when she was on Creative Live. And that sort of changed a lot of my approach. How so? How did, how did that you know change all of it? So it was very clear how online galleries were just not working because mm-hmm. I would send them out and mm-hmm. I would just wait and wait and wait and be like, why are they not buying things? We <laughs> had this whole shoot and these photos are you know beautiful and don't they want them? And that was getting very frustrating for me and I think probably for the client as well. 
And when Sue presented this whole method of doing, you know, printed reels and charging per image, that was very mind-blowing because you gave people the choice of selecting the images. You did this beautiful presentation and the client service was just so much better, Yeah, I think, for everybody. And there was no wondering. There was no like waiting or wondering. You got everything done. The whole fact of like presenting the final printed product and the fact that the client got to keep it and you got paid and it was done. Mm-hmm. And then I could go home and like spend time with my family. Yeah. And that was incredible. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about this because I think a lot of people feel like they have to send an online gallery. Okay, l- let me just clarify really quick. So, and I want to make sure we're on the same page with this. When I'm thinking online gallery, it's like back when I used to shoot weddings or when I did engagement shoots way back when, it would be like I would take the photos, I would edit them, I would upload them to you know, like shoot proof or something. And then I would just send them the gallery and just wait and wait for them to order or wait for whatever. And is is that what you're talking about? That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about this because I think a lot of people do this and I think people get intimidated by in-person sales and they want to just keep doing the online gallery because it's easy. You just send it and that's it. However, it's really not easy because like you said, oftentimes you don't hear back from them for weeks. And I don't think it's that the clients are like, I'm just going to like sit on these forever and, you know, purposefully not tell you what I want. But everyone's busy. Everyone has a to-do list a million miles long. And the next thing you know, you have to be that kind of annoying person who is like, hey, did you make your decisions yet? Hey, did you have a chance to look at your gallery yet? Okay, just emailing one more time. Just want to see if you made your decisions yet. Where it just, it doesn't work for anyone. And like you said, it's hard to, to get paid. Well, it's hard to get paid. And it's also, you're spending a lot more time on it than you would on a just sitting down with someone and going through the images right then and there. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. When I made the switch over to in-person sales, and, and when I say in-person, I often do my photo viewings or reveals that we call them through, I used to use Skype, but now the whole world is using Zoom. So I've switched over to Zoom, where we're doing it in person in that we are live online together, going through the photos together, making the choices together, or you know, in my studio in person, and sometimes at their house. I've done it at coffee shops. But the point is, is that you're doing it with them live. You're not just sending something and hoping they get back to you. This is like, okay, we set the expectation ahead of time that they will be making their decisions during their their photo viewing time. So like having that language from the start, like, okay, so we're going to do the consultation, we're going to do your photo shoot, and then however many days later, usually for me, it's 10 to 14 days, we're going to get back together, whether that's, you know, online through Zoom or in my studio, and we're going to choose your photos together. And that way, and you'll you'll place your order and you'll decide your package that day. So that way they know in their mind they're making the decision that day. And that has made all the difference for me. Yeah. And I've definitely had some clients where they weren't ready to make that decision on the day of. And I've had to adjust Mm -hmm. the way I talk to people, the way I walk them through the process ahead of time so that they know what's expected on that day. Oftentimes, like, it's my husband couldn't make it. And at that point, I really have to put my foot down and say, you know, we need to reschedule. We can't just waste an hour and try to make decisions if you really need somebody else present. Yeah, I love that you said that. Because I think sometimes people face that where, what if the client doesn't know what photos they want? So that's what you do. You say, okay, we'll just pick a different time. Yeah, and 
So I've went through several iterations throughout my business. So I did start with lifestyle photography. I ended up getting a studio and switching everything to studio photography in terms of families. I've recently started doing headshots. But in terms of the in-person sales, that evolved as well as I went through. So I used to go to people's homes, do the presentations and the in-person sale. Then I did it in my studio, which is great. Then I switched over to a digital reveal. So I did the full printed reveal and it took a few times of people just not buying very much for me to realize this is not sustainable. And I do print on expensive fine art photo paper. So I was losing a lot of money. And that forced me to switch over to a digital reveal. And now what I actually do is I will sit down with clients right after the session and we'll go through like most of the photos that I took straight from the camera. And I know a couple of people you've had on the podcast have mentioned doing this as well. And it is a really good option, I think, for people who want to shorten <laughs> shorten the process a little bit and do things a little bit differently. However, I do think that going through the printed reveal process allowed me to be more confident. And if I didn't go through that, I would not be able to do the digital mm. like same day mm -hmm. reveals that I do now. Mm -hmm. That totally makes sense. I want to hear exactly how you do your same day reveals. But before we do that, when you said, you said that you started or before you were doing lifestyle type photo shoots in people's homes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So family shoots outdoors in people's homes, no studio, pretty much what every other photographer in the area is doing. And you're in Connecticut, correct? Yes. So my studio is in Greenwich, Connecticut. It's fairly close to New York City. It's like right over the border. And I live in Westport, which is just a few towns over. Okay, gotcha. So when you were doing the printed reveals, was this back when you were doing the lifestyle type photos? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it's interesting because a lot of people think you can only really do them if you're doing studio photography, but I didn't interpret that at all. I you know, took what Sue was teaching and applied it to whatever I was doing because yeah. photographing people in their natural environment was really what I was drawn to at that time. Yeah, yeah. And I'm curious because you had said that you were losing money doing it that way. Is that because you were printing like a ton and they were only buying a couple or what was happening there? So that is a couple of things that were happening. I was doing voucher clients. So, you know, with any voucher client where they're not paying a session fee, where they're getting a free image, mm -hmm. um, they could just not really buy very much. And that's okay. That's not why you do a voucher client, really, in my opinion. And so at that point, I switched over from printing on regular photo paper to fine art photo paper. That is actually why I started to print my own work. It is slightly cheaper to print it yourself. And I wanted that very quick turnaround. So I would have people back, you know, in a week. And I would have everything printed and ready for them. And printing my own work allowed me to do that. But Printing on fine art photo paper costs a lot of money right. because of the paper cost. And if they don't buy anything or if they get just one extra image, you're losing money at that point. Right. And especially if you're not charging the session fee. Like if they're coming in on a voucher, I think that that might be a good reason maybe to do a digital reveal or... I mean, not to say that you have to or whatever. I did a lot of vouchers at the beginning and I did mostly printed reveals, and I did okay. You know, I think I only had one no-sale or maybe two no-sales. But I also wasn't doing fine art. I mean, I was, I mean, they're nice prints, but it was only costing me like $1.20 per print. And then if they didn't buy the photos, I could reuse the mats 
And so like if I printed out, let's say, 25 photos and they only bought 10, then it would be 15 times $1.20. So I was out 20 bucks. So for me, I wasn't losing a whole lot. But like you said, when you're printing your own and you're on, you know, the fine art paper, that can really add up. Yeah, I think I estimated the cost to be around 3 or $4 per print. Okay, and that's yeah. just for the print, not even for the mat. Right, right. So it adds up, yeah, especially if, you know, they don't take anything home, and then you're just left with all these gorgeous prints that you didn't sell. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Sue is very adamant about that. Like, if you're just starting out, or, you know, you don't have the extra funds to do the prints, like, don't feel like you have to. You know, this is for... You know, when you feel like your selling is strong, you're not going to like go broke, you know, that sort of thing. Like, it's okay if you do these digital reveals, just do it in person and have samples, you know, have prints matted or framed or canvases or books or whatever it is available so that you can show people or maybe do one or two prints to show them, you know, but don't feel like you have to break the bank when you're just starting out, you know, it's, it's, it can be done so many different ways. The idea is to just do it in person and not just to send that online gallery. Yeah. And I think that goes back to sort of how I started too, where I was printing and charging $10 a print. Like you don't have to (laughs) jump straight to printing. You might need to figure a few things out ahead of time and make sure that you have a consistent sale before you invest in printing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are lots and lots of members in our Sue Bryce education community who are very successful with doing printed reveals. So I don't want to discourage people by any means from doing them. I've been very successful with it. Lots of people have. So, But it's it's one of those things where, again, there are so many different ways you can do this, you know, and it just depends on what works for you and what level you're at. Yeah, and I feel like I've done all of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like mm-hmm. I went through, you know, everything that one could possibly do. As I said before, having the printed reveals really built the confidence I needed to move to digital and then move to the same day process. Yeah, yeah. So that takes me to the whole same day process. So, you know, take me through that. I'm curious how how it works for you. So just to be clear, I switched over to the same day process, I think, November last year. So it's very recent. It is something I was doing for the shorter headshot sessions, and it was working really, really well which is when I thought, hmm, maybe this could work for families where we could just do it all in one day. And especially with families, there's so many images where you have the different expressions of kids. The mom might like certain side of her face or the other. Mm -hmm. She might prefer something that I don't even know about. So being able to sit down right after the session and go through the images is a really great way to review everything and to have them decide what they want versus me deciding. And the way the process works is it's very similar to what I used to do, except I don't edit things ahead of time. We do the shoot. There's typically a 10 to 15 minute break. So I know other photographers will take like an hour or two hours to go through the images. I just do a very quick call, like the very first pass in about 10 minutes. And my studio has a large screen TV. Everybody just sits on the couch and we'll go through them. We'll compare three at a time. They'll tell me which they prefer. We narrow them down. And then I will sit there and I will help them actually narrow things down, which sounds really strange when you want people to buy more things. But 
I am there to help them. So if they're mm-hmm. deciding on a package of six images, which is my lowest package, I will help them and I will say, okay, well, then we can be very strategic. We need one shot of each child. We need a family shot and then maybe a candid family shot and then a shot of all the kids together. So it can be very straightforward where I can help them through the process. If they're looking at more images, then we're going with expressions and everything else. So it's not any different than what I used to do. They just get a lot more choice. And what I also realize is that with studio photography, my images, the final product, the final retouched ones look kind of similar to what comes out of the camera because I'm controlling the light. Mm -hmm. A lot of things are posed. Once again, if you're photographing kids, there's not that much that they need in terms of retouching. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things that they do, the parents totally get where it's like, if you're removing a bruise, like they know not to look at that and sort of eliminate a photo because of something that could be retouched. Right. And it also allows us to talk about all those things that they want fixed. And I have brought up two images side by side and said, we can combine these. And I would walk them through how that process would work as well. So if they want a shot of two kids together and there is no image where they are together perfectly, but we have two images where one looks good and another image where the other looks good, I can put them together for them. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love that you help them through it because, you know, when, when clients are so overwhelmed, it's, they're just not going to make choices. It's so hard to make choices when they're too overwhelmed. Yeah, and it's important with the digital reveal because the whole point is that you have more choices, right? I'm not there narrowing things down to 20 images. They actually get to choose from like 80. So it is very important to walk them through, to have a system to lead them through the process versus having them sort of determine what they might want to happen. Right, right. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, actually, Hadonica Murphy, I interviewed her in episode 21. She also does the same day reveal and it works really well for her too. So that's just, you know, for people listening, if you want to hear another example of doing that, she's episode 21. And and like I said in her episode, oh, it's just not something I could do. For one, I'm so exhausted at the end of the shoot anyway, and I'm just kind of like ready to pack it up and say goodbye. <laughs> and then also too, I just, I don't know, I don't enjoy showing. Kids I think are totally different, but to show women unretouched photos, I'm like, I just don't want to do it. But you know, it works for her. It works for you. It, it's everyone just has their own thing and, and everyone gets to decide how they're going to do it. So it's, I love hearing the different perspectives and the different way people do things. Yeah. And so you shoot mostly natural light, don't you, Nikki? Mostly natural light. Yes. Yeah. So I found with natural light, it is very different. With natural light, I definitely had to retouch more before I show mm-hmm. anybody <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's not as much control. Yes. And My shoots are also shorter. They're about two hours. Kids only last that long. So for us to sit down for another hour or half an hour after the shoot is really no big deal. A lot of times kids will also go and go home (laughs) with a nanny or something like that. They're not there. Mm -hmm. It is easier when they're not there, quite honestly. But there's all sorts of ways that you could make this work. It's not really for everyone. And I had to get to that point after, what, like eight years in business or seven years. So yeah. I feel like it is a process to some extent. Now tell me about your lighting. What type of lighting are you using in your studio? So I have just one Profoto strobe. It's the 
D2, I believe. It's the plug-in one because I didn't want to bother with batteries. And actually, I cannot put any modifier on it because I like the very soft light and my studio has very low ceilings. It's about eight foot ceilings and any modifier put on there, it takes up half the room. So I literally, I just bounce it off the walls, the ceiling. I point it away from people and it creates that beautiful spread of light. Very and it cool. makes very natural looking photos. Nice. And now but you said you didn't always have a studio before. And I, I can't remember if we had talked about, you know, prior to this recording, you had said you originally didn't like studio photos. Is that what you had said originally? That that's kind of what deterred you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I got this beautiful studio. Well, it, it wasn't beautiful when I got it, but I did make it beautiful. And I was not even planning on shooting in there. So I did plan. I planned everything out to where I could have a shooting space. But everything I saw in terms of studio photography and families just didn't look like something I liked. I didn't know that you could just do very clean, simple style, which is what I'm drawn to, where people are not overly posed, where people are more candid and still do it in a studio. So I think just because I didn't have that point of reference, I didn't really know it was possible. And once I got the studio, it was about half a year. I was just doing reveals in the studio because I didn't want to travel to other people. I wanted to have them come to me, have a space for that. I could not do it in my house because I had two boys running around and having a separate commercial space was essential. Right. About, I would say seven, eight months into it, I was like, you know what? If I do studio photos, studio portraits of families, that will put me in a totally separate category than everybody else that's doing family photos in the area. So everything was outdoors, in homes. And even though my work was different because I was using flash indoors, so it was a little bit higher quality than what you would get with natural light, it still looked very similar. So people couldn't tell the difference. And what I did was January, February, slow time for family photos. I invited all of all of my photography friends that I knew who had families, like, come in, please let me test my light. And I didn't even have a studio strobe at that point. I was using my speed light with, like, an umbrella on it. And I did all portfolio shoots those two months. I redid my website, redid my Instagram. Nice. And switched everything over to studio portraits. And, you know, a year into it, people just didn't know that I even used to shoot families outdoors. Yeah, I love that. I think a lot of people struggle with making that conversion between like, for example, if they're letting go of weddings or if they're starting studios, they're like, oh, but I don't know how to make that switch. It sounds like you were just very methodical about it. Like, I'm going to build my portfolio with what I want to shoot. I'm going to stop showing what I don't want to shoot. I'm going to update my website and I'm done. Like, going for it. Yeah. And I did have to learn not to accept those outdoor sessions too. So right. if somebody now... Even now, when we weren't allowed to do anything in studio for months, people would ask me, like, can you photograph my family outdoors? And I would have to say no, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it just does not reflect the quality of the work that I want to produce for my clients. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, sometimes it's important to just have those boundaries, for sure. Let's talk about pricing. You said your smallest package is six photos. What do you charge for that? So the six image collection is $1,600 plus sales tax. And That's that great. comes with six fine art matted prints does not include the folio box because those are expensive <laughs> i do include a photo stand so that people can display their images and the photo stand is included in every collection 
Very cool. And do you charge the same for headshots? or Because you have, you have some really beautiful headshots. Or like personal branding, really. It doesn't even feel so much like headshotty. It, you, it seems like you have some really great personal branding. Is that the same pricing? So per image, I charge $295. And that is the same for any studio portrait. So it could be family, it could be headshot, it could be child portrait or baby. It doesn't really matter. Personal branding is structured a little bit differently where it is a set package. So headshots and personal branding, I actually added only last year. So I was doing families consistently. I sort of built that business up in terms of having clients consistently. And then I was able to expand to headshots and personal branding on top of that. I was scared of headshots for a very long time. And Sue was really the person that demonstrated that if you know how to pose people, you can create a really great headshot for them. Right. Um, and that was really important because I tried headshots you know, years ago and it was just scary and awful and I hated it. And once I learned how to pose people and people were able to see their images and actually like them, and I got over the fear of them not liking how they look like and made it more about them and not how I feel, it's a totally different ballgame. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is, I swear, posing, obviously lighting is important and knowing how to use your camera is important, but posing is everything. Like if you want to learn how to set yourself apart from other photographers out there, I mean, getting that posing down is just so key. One, because the people are going to look better. It's more flattering. And two, when you're in the middle of a shoot, like I remember before I really knew how to pose well and like flow posing and fluidly, I would like kind of freeze up and be like, oh shit, I don't know what I'm going to do next here. Which pose am I going to do? You know, (laughs) it was like, I didn't come off as confident. They didn't feel as confident about what I was doing. And it was like, I had to kind of fumble my way through. But once you can really nail down those poses and for all body types, it is like life changing. Well, okay, that's dramatic, but it's business changing. Yeah. And I think that's why I started photographing kids because you didn't have to post them. You just had to point your camera in their direction and hope for the best. And I was very good at being patient with headshots, you really have to direct and you have to be in charge. And that Mm -hmm. is something I had to learn and have that knowledge that Sue provides in order to be able to make them look good because it's not natural for most people. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. And people don't know what to do when they sit down in front of a camera. I mean, even like sometimes I don't even know what to do. Like if I'm being photographed, I even want people to tell me what to do because I can't see myself. And they look to us Honestly, I think that's a lot of the reason that people are afraid to get their photos done or why they're so intimidated because I think they feel like they're supposed to know what to do or like, you know, like they're just like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, that's okay. You don't have to know what to do because I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. And it just puts them so much more at ease. Yeah. And I feel like the people that know what to do are not my clients, honestly. Yeah. They don't need me. (laughs) They don't need me to get good photos. They could just take it themselves or have their husband take a photo and they look beautiful. And that's amazing. But I am not one of those people. And so I can really relate to my clients who don't feel that way in front of the camera. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And your photos, when I was checking out your website and just like overall your photos, your website, everything is very clean and crisp. Like you have a very, almost like a classic beautiful classic style to your photos. Like, I feel like you don't, you know, mess around with a ton of heavy filters or like, you know, you just, you really seem to have a style that I think a lot of people are drawn to. 
So I definitely went through a phase where I was using tons of filters. Uh, I had to learn not to do that anymore. And that took years to develop. And I really had to get down to the essence of what I liked and what sort of I saw and what I wanted to see. Even when I was doing photos in people's homes, I would just clear everything out from the background. And I realized I was just trying to make things simple. So, you know, down the line, my at-home photos started to look like studio shots almost because it was just very clean and simple. And it made sense for me to transition to the studio and just do it my way at that point. I am the kind of person that loves things to be as simple as possible. Marie Kondo really speaks to me in that sense. If I could just get rid of all of my things, I would, and just live in simplicity. That is really what I feel really drawn to. Yeah, yeah. Like a person, as my personality and everything else, that's when I feel my best. And that is what I want to give to my clients. A huge part of that is actually styling. So I've had people show up wearing all sorts of things before I realized I really need to direct what people are wearing and I really need to help them through the process. Because to me, it might seem very simple and easy to like pick out outfits for a photo shoot, but a lot of families really struggle with that. Yeah, yeah. Styling is, it is. It's a huge part of it. I mean, some people, I'm sure you have some clients who who just know what they want to wear, but most don't. And it really is a nice service. And another way, actually, you can really set yourself apart from other photographers is to help them pick their clothing. Yeah, and I will go to people's homes, or I used to, right? (laughs) I used to go to people's homes and go through everyone's closets and pull out outfits. We typically select two or three, depending on the age of the children. And I don't think anyone else in the area does anything like that because it it takes time. It takes time and you have to charge enough to make it worth your while to do that. Yeah, it does. That's a very good point. But I think you can, you know, at least what I do is I help them. They can email me photos of their clothing or I tell them, I'm like, bring your whole closet. I don't care. Like while you're getting your hair and makeup done, I'll go through and pick your outfits for you. That's totally fine. And some people are like, oh, good, you know, and some people will just take you know, literally do like a fashion show for me and email me the photos of them in each outfit. And I help them pick that way. So, I mean, there's ways to do it. You don't have to do it again. And and I could, yeah, I could see how going to their houses would definitely take up a lot of time. That's not something that I personally would do, but I think there are people who do do it still. Yeah. And Nikki, it's so funny they say that because that's exactly what I used to do as well. And I found that, you know, either people I mean, they were just getting stressed out either way because the families around here are sort of type A moms. Yeah. And they still wanted to know ahead of time. And I'm that type of person too. I want everything planned out at least a week in advance. I don't want to, you know, not know what people are wearing until that morning. That sounds horrible to me. So I can relate to what the moms are going through and why they would want to have things ahead of time. And it doesn't mean that we pick everything out during that appointment. It just means that we know the direction that we're heading in. It also allows me to take a look at their house, like get a sense of their style. If there's any wall where they're thinking of putting a wall portrait, we can actually coordinate clothing to go with the furniture and the colors of that room. And I think that is pretty important. If you want a family portrait to go in a specific spot, you want it to look coherent with the space. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, it sounds like you do a really great job just providing service and helping your clients through the whole process. Yeah, I had to evolve 
sort of every time I've raised my prices, I've added a service. And that was how I justified raising prices. So I essentially doubled my prices when I went to fine art printing because it was a much higher quality product. And then when I adjusted them again, I added the in-home styling. So all of those services kind of fed into price increases to make it worth it for the client. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Very cool. Now, I know you had said kind of at the beginning of our talk here that it wasn't like you necessarily had to replace your income as a graphic designer. But I'm curious, have you gotten to that point? I mean, it sounds like you're doing more than just, you know, a few shoots here and there. Yeah, so I did hit six figures, was it 2018, I think is when I got to that number. Wow, that's so great. So you just started with your studio in 2016, right? That sounds about right. Yeah, I'm terrible with dates. But yeah, it's about four years in my studio and really niching down, like sticking to studio portraits, not going outside of that, I think is really what allowed me to be different than everybody else. And for clients who want that look, like they really only have one choice. And that's wonderful because I get to work with them at that point. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that they don't work with other photographers. I do actually refer people out all the time to all my photographer friends that I know in the area if they are better suited for what they're looking for. Right, right. That's so great that you do that. Yeah, I think it's really important to have that community. I don't feel like I'm in a competition with anyone. Mm -hmm. I feel like we can all support each other. I feel like the more people know about Sue Bryce education, the better. The more people raise their prices and can make a living doing this, the better we all are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. And that's so wonderful because there are, there are enough clients for all of us. I mean, there just are. It doesn't need to be a competition. There doesn't need to be this you know, attitude that sometimes people get towards each other, like if they see each other at an event or something, you know, like, and that is definitely the community that Sue promotes, like in our Facebook group, like we are always trying to support each other. It is so important. And actually, I interviewed Emma Burkasal in one of our past episodes. And her studio is like two or three blocks from me. I mean, it's so close. And you'll hear that we talk about in the episode, it's not a competition, like she has clients, I have clients, and that's okay. And we can refer to each other. And it just makes sense to do that as opposed to just having like negative energy. And and I just, I really love that you do that, that you're like, you know what, I'm not a good fit, but you know, Jane down the street is. So I just think that's really cool. Yeah. And I'm very specialized and I feel like anyone who's specialized, who really narrows down to what they love doing because photography is so broad, even family Mm -hmm. photography is just, there's so many options of things you can do or how you can approach it. This one client in particular, actually, she was looking for, and she was one of my clients, like great client, amazing, like spent, you know, a great amount of money with me, loved her, the products that she got. She wanted a cake smash session mm-hmm. and I don't do those. I've never done them and I could potentially do it, right? I have a studio and I can get a cake. It's not a big deal, but I know other photographers in Connecticut who specialize in cake smash sessions and they can do a much better job than I can. So it makes more sense for me to tell her, go and do this for your child with this other photographer who will take care of you and give you exactly what you're looking for. And then the next time you want those clean, simple portraits, like, you know where I am. Mm -hmm. It's really not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Every time I feel like I, when I take something that I know I don't want to do, as I'm saying yes, in my head, I'm like, like, why are you doing this? And then I dread the whole shoot. It's like, I say yes, 
and then I dread it. And it's like, why do I do that? And, and I trust me, it's very rare now that I've learned very, you know, I've learned the hard way to say no when it's not something I want to do. Yeah, it's so great that you've gotten to the point where you know what you want to shoot. You've niched down, you specialize. Oh, it's just so much easier that way. Yeah. And same as you, I had to learn the hard way several times. Took me a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just, I mean, it sounds like you have such a great business going and it, you know, it matches the lifestyle that you want where you get to be mom, but you also get to do things that you love. You made six figures within two years of opening your studio. I mean, it's just, it's, you're just doing so great. Yeah. And it's funny when you say that because it certainly didn't feel like two years after opening studio, I feel like I had to fight for like every single client. I had to like drag people in Mm -hmm. and try to prove to them that it's important. And I am realizing now that like booking headshots is a lot easier than families. Families is very seasonal. Mm -hmm. And when you have a studio, you have a monthly rent every month of the year. It's not an option to have a seasonal business which is why I'm thankful that I was able to expand into headshots, into personal branding, and have that year-round income. And booking headshots, I will say, is just so easy. People know what they want, and they know they want it now, and you can provide the service, and it's just so quick, and there's no like back and forth. There's no like, I have to ask my husband, Mm -hmm. which is the funnest question ever. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think... Adding headshots was a really smart move. If you are studio, and I know you do a lot of headshots as well and personal branding, and Mm -hmm. I feel like that's just really smart when people do that because that is a need for it. Yeah, definitely. And it's not a lot of weekends, evenings. Like it's, you know, I can work during the week. It's, yeah, there are lots of benefits to do headshots for sure. Yes. And my little one just started kindergarten this past fall. So this past fall was really when I was able to do things during the week outside of like preschool hours, which is just insane to think about because you really had like four hours to do anything during the day. Mm -hmm. And school has been great until I had to homeschool. But, (laughs) you know, hopefully the kids will go back to school and I will get that big chunk of time back on my end. Like you said, headshots during the week is fantastic. I also do office headshots, which is incredible in terms of income because you go in there and you can photograph you know six ten fifteen I've done 40 people and you charge real prices as Sue advises us to charge and you can make a lot in one day it Mm -hmm. is exhausting and it requires an expertise but it is a really great addition to everything else that you do in the studio yeah absolutely It really is, like you said, it's exhausting. And it does take an expertise. You have to know what you're doing when you're shooting groups at large. Which this kind of brings me back, because you had said that you had to fight for the clients. You had to really, you know, hone in your craft. You had to learn the posing. You had to do, like, is this something that just, like, came naturally to you? Or how did you learn all this? Like, I know that Sue was a very important part to all of this. But is this something that, you know, was, was this the education that really pushed you through? Was Sue's education? It was. And I think it's very comprehensive. Mm-hmm. The thing that really started me on the path of portraits was the fact that Sue said, you don't need to be like a specific way because I always thought you needed to like talk to people a certain way in order to get them to connect with you. But with her, she was able to pull expressions out using posing and connect with people that way. 
And I really resonate with the fact that it is a process that you can learn. It's not something you're born with. It's not something that you have to act a certain way. You could still be yourself because I'm not like other photographers that are goofy or fun with children. I'm very quiet and reserved. As I mentioned, I'm patient and I just wait. Mm -hmm. So for me to sort of take what Sue is teaching in terms of posing and apply it to my work and how I connected with clients was really important. And that opened up the whole studio photography option for me, where I was able to get people to look in the camera and make it look like we were connecting, even though maybe we weren't on a personal level mm -hmm, or we didn't mm -hmm. have time or there were kids screaming. So <laughs> right. all of that has to be taken into account. And what you just said, too, made me think how, you know, I think sometimes when people think of Sue's style, it's very like it's glamour. It's dresses and tool and makeup. And, you know, and obviously Sue does way more than just that. But I just I think overall, that's kind of what people think of is like glamour photography, where you are proof that you have a very clean aesthetic it's simple photography, and you still made six figures. And I know you said it's funny for you to hear this, you know, because it didn't feel like it was that easy at the time, but you still made six figures within two years of doing this genre. And you keep it simple, and you keep it classic, and you keep it clean, and it doesn't need to have the bells and whistles. It just doesn't. Yeah, and my style looks nothing like what Sue shoots. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in a group, people will ask, like, can you apply this to newborn photography? Can you apply it to child portraits? And you absolutely can. It doesn't need to be the dark background with the moody lighting. None of that stuff resonates with me personally. I love looking at it, and it's gorgeous, but I could never produce that kind of work. For me, everything has to be sort of light, and the lighting like cannot overtake the portrait, in my opinion. So if you look at my website, like all the children are dressed in light colors. Like There's nothing... Like Sue talks a lot about transformation. I'm not trying to transform my clients. I want the best of their everyday. Like I want the candid expressions. I want posing that doesn't look like posing. And I want kids to look very natural. But what goes into creating that is everything that Sue teaches. Because if you don't pose people, they might look natural, but they will not look good or flattering. And people don't want portraits like that. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I appreciate you sharing everything with us. And yeah, it's been really great talking with you. I do have a couple more questions, though, and that I always ask people at the end. And the first one is, what's something you can't live without when you are doing a photo shoot? So this is funny. And I thought about this from a recent shoot that I did, and we were doing it outside. It's personal branding. And I literally had nothing except my camera and a lens. So the only thing I can't live without is, I think, the knowledge that's in my head. Yeah. Because I was able to go around, pick the spots in terms of the light. I was able to pose and I was able to capture images with just my camera. I literally, I had no pockets in my pants. There was nothing that I could have on me that I could use for portraits, except for what I had in my mind in terms of the knowledge that I've acquired. Yeah. What a great answer. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> it's true. I mean, what would we do if we didn't have the knowledge? We certainly wouldn't have, you know, successful businesses. Yeah. And there is a tendency to rely on equipment for a lot of us to like buy lenses and think that will mm -hmm. make us better photographers, but none of that matters at the end of the day. You know, I had just one camera and I was using just one lens for a very long time. And that didn't change what people bought or what my work looked like in the end. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so number two is how do you spend your time when you aren't photographing? 
oh, well, right now there's a lot of taking care of children. <laughs> My husband is working full time from home. So there's a lot of like trying to keep people quiet. Yeah, which is really yep. tough when you have two rowdy boys who love to shout things for some reason. Yep. And I'm doing a lot of cooking right now, which may not be my favorite thing, but somebody has to do it. Personally, from my personal standpoint, I read a lot. So I read probably two hours a day. The library is thankfully open again. Oh, good. Uh, and I've also, I've also taken up yoga recently. So that's been very fun. Something to do just for myself, like just quiet time. Um, and that was something I had to learn too. like, do things for yourself. You cannot just do everything for your kids or for your family. Mm -hmm. That's so wonderful that you're doing that. Number three, what's your favorite inspirational quote? So this is funny too, because you sort of mentioned it earlier and it's a quote by Byron Katie and it says, everything happens for you, not to you. Ah, so this, look at that. This sounds very familiar. <laughs> you said almost the exact same thing. And this is something I have to remember like every single day, honestly, because, I mean, there's so much stuff happens and you're like, why? Like, why me? Mm -hmm. Like, why am I going through this? Like, why isn't this easy? Like, why are other people having such an easy time with this and I'm struggling? And it's really like you have to realize it's a learning process and you're meant to learn something and maybe that person doesn't need to. So it's really there for you, for the knowledge and for the learning to take place. It's so smart. It's so smart. And, you know, you're right. It is. It's so easy sometimes to just like, like I, I give myself 24 hours to have a pity party and then, then I'm done. Not sometimes not even 24 hours. Sometimes it's just like a phone call to a friend like or to Sue and I'm like, eh. And then, you know, it's like, no, how am I going to use this to my advantage? How can I turn this into an opportunity? Like, you know, instead of having it just be, you know, so I love that you said that. Nowadays, when I have like a bad client experience, it's like, okay, what do I need to change mm -hmm. in the process to make sure this does not happen again? Not just for me, but for my clients. You're a smart woman. <laughs> That's for sure. That's awesome. It's so great to be self-reflective. It just makes all the difference. I think we need to be as business owners. Absolutely. There's no other choice, in my opinion. Okay, next question is, what would you say to people who are just getting started? So there are actually, there are two things. First, like, find someone who's done it before. Mm -hmm. If you're just starting out, we have so many great resources nowadays. There are photographers in every single town. Pick someone who looks successful, like, Join Sue Bryce Education. She gives you everything and follow that method. See if it works for you. And over the years, I've taken, you know, bits and pieces from different photographers who are successful, different business owners, like people in marketing or other like facets of business in general. And you put it all together and see what resonates with you and what works for you. But you have to start somewhere. And that is the best place to start. Just find somebody who's been successful and the second part of that is you have to take action. You can't just sit on the couch and work on your website for two years or like portfolio build forever. You have to actually start. You have to take those steps forward. You have to start your business. You have to start charging. You have to do the things that really scare you that you don't want to do. Otherwise, you'll never get anywhere. Mic drop. Oh, well, <laughs> I love <thanks>. that. <laughs> yeah, everything you said, it's crucial. It's so important. You can't portfolio build forever. You can't just sit there and wait for people to come to you. You have to do the work. The consistent thing with everyone who I interview and all of the members of SBE in our Facebook group who are successful, who, you know, are leaders in our community have done the work. We're doing the work on a daily basis. And that makes all the difference. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah. And it's scary and it's not fun half the time, but you have to do it. Yeah, it's true. So where can we find you online? Where can people see your clean, crisp, beautiful website? So my website is N Lawler Photography and N like Natalia, Lawler, L-A-L-O-R, photography.com. And it's at and Lawler Photography on Instagram and Facebook. So that's pretty simple. And those are really the best places to get in contact. Awesome. Very cool. I encourage everyone to check out your work and just see the clean, simple photography that Natalia has. So yeah. Yeah. If nothing else, hopefully you'll get inspired to do something on your own terms. You don't have to follow what anyone else is doing if you don't want to. Exactly. Just take the bits that resonate with you. And I think that's really important. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. And I will see you online in the FBE community. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nikki. (laughs) Take care, Natalia. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35, and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love, and there are posing downloads, lighting downloads, I mean truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.